uh, I think cannabis should not be a schedule one drug in the same department of heroin as it is federally. Uh, oh, yeah, that's pretty wacky. I think that's so wacky. Uh, so that's what I think of when I think of drugs. I'm like, I don't even think we should government be, regulated. I don't think we should be regulating or punishing people for any drug use. No, like that's Not a made that. up thing. It's like that it's so antiquated, like putting women away who are hysterical, putting people away, locking them up because they have a drug addiction. Absolutely yeah, it's, not. it doesn't really do anything to resolve. It's all political, no. which I think is going to come up in today's Oof. topic. Um, have you seen the previews to Cocaine Bear? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Like uh, earlier this morning, I thought it was a joke and I wanted to show Ella, my one year old. But then I thought, I don't know if she really likes bears. And I was like, whoa, check out this bear. Hold on a second. I think he's on cocaine. And I heard some. Yes, I saw a little bit of so a is that the whole plot of the movie. I saw a little kid in a tree screaming, this bear is fucked. <laughs> and I think that's probably the whole plot, right? It's just a. Oh, yeah. I didn't see seat. the preview, but. Oh, OK. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what created the cocaine bear today. Oh, my God. And tell you about the real cocaine bear. OK. Please, because now I want to go back and watch it. OK. So what did you. Well, here, <laughs> let me know? let me do the intro. Welcome to Sex with Ghosts. I'm Bridget here today with a very special guest. Unfortunately, Molly is out. She is traveling, seeing the world, and she has left me by myself, that bitch. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> in her place, we have Allison. Allison, say something about yourself. Hello. My name is Allison. I was going to... I was wondering what last name you were going to choose for me. I don't normally do last names, but yeah, not important. I don't know. I probably should. <laughs> no, it's okay. I think um, it's because a lot of my friends have like two last names, but depending, and this is like weird because this is not just entertainment friends. It's also women I know who have normal lives because um, <laughs> you're an entertainment person. But they they like choose their like married last name in certain circumstances and then their maiden last name in other circumstances. And um, I I never want to ask, like, which one do you care to use? I'm right. So it's just like, let's just do first names. Then. Yeah. First name basis. That's so which what, do you have a last name preference for this podcast? Um, Probably Allison Taylor. Let's go with Taylor. Sounds smooth. The name I use for. <laughs> just like my pseudonym for the world and I don't want them to know any other things about nice. me perfect we love that um Allison is a voiceover artist among many other creative talents you're also a theater actress right sure yeah <laughs> I had a baby let's and I haven't your, done much let's since. pump your credits well Thank there was you. also a global pandemic there was, was like that a global pandemic then you had a baby and now you were teaching people to sing, children. I, I was just recently. I quit doing that, but that was a thing that I did here in the burbs. Help those <laughs> little Chicago. the burbian children learn how to sing because they need they need that help. They do. No Chicago I mean, talent out here. Have you heard the way they talked? <laughs> That's pretty embarrassing. And so today we are doing the cocaine bearer, but. I want to tell you the story behind the cocaine bear. Okay. I think the movie is going to be largely fabricated events. It looks, yes, it looks pretty fabricated. And which funky. is also kind of interesting. I mean, who doesn't want to see a movie about a bear raging on cocaine? <laughs> but the story behind it is like its own 
could have been a movie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to tell you about that today because in 1985, Andrew Carter Thornton II was smuggling at least 76 pounds of cocaine or at least I saw anywhere from $15 million worth of it to like $444 million worth of it. I'm a little confused, honestly, how much cocaine he had on him because of um, some places measured it in the number of duffel bags he had. And other places I saw, they measured it in the like, I think, individual containers that the cocaine was in. So I saw like anywhere from like he had 10 duffel bags to like 44 containers of cocaine. Not actual measurements, just yeah, not one, real. a big bag and a small bag. And I saw a lot, like 76 pounds of cocaine, but it was like, was it that attached to him or is that what the bear got to? Like, it was kind of confusing. Oh, my God. How much cocaine was where and when. But I think the larger part of the story is what is well documented. And that's what I'm going to talk to you today about. Okay. So Thornton was raised on Threve. I don't know if I'm, it could have been Threv. It's a Southern street name. Threv. Um, Threv Main Stud, which, or sorry, it's not a street. It's a farmhouse. Okay. A horse farm. I mean. Sure. There's probably a ho- farmhouse. Picturesque yeah. Bourbon County. Bourbon County. And where is that? In Kentucky. In Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. He is the oldest son of Carter and Peggy Thornton. He had a younger brother and a sister. And he was considered inducted into Kentucky's Blue Blood Society. The Blue Bloods. Like the show Blue Bloods? No. Just There's a lot of Blue Bloods. I know. There's a lot of Blue Bloods. We did the Appalachian Blue People. Oh, no. I think they sort of have blue blood or blue pigmentation okay and then there's cops that i think call themselves blue right. bloods uh-huh. and then there's the southerners that call themselves blue bloods but it's like i think it's thought of as like a generational like societal term of like you know we're the like, true blue bloods we're like oh, real not- royalty here oh nothing to do with blue collar okay yeah, nothing to do with blue collar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, he was educated at Sire in Lexington, which was a private elementary school. And he attended the Swanee Military Academy, which is a prestigious Tennessee institution. Okay. Unlike many children in the 1960s, he was not drawn to a rebellious um, behaviors which is interesting because of where this story is going to go. After graduation from Swanee in 1962, he joined the ROTC and he attended one semester at the University of Kentucky. Okay. He quit school to join the army and then he actually became a paratrooper for the army's 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. Fort Bragg. Have you been there? No, but it sounds like a fun play on words. You can brag about all your time there. All right, continue. He was awarded a Purple Heart after being injured while deployed to the Dominican Republic during a revolution. He then went back to college in 1966, but he dropped out after a year. He worked for his father training racehorses before joining the Lenski. Lexington Fayette Urban County Police Department in mm. 1968. Mm. This is the same year he married his wife. She was a university co-ed, a beauty from Shelby County. She says, I fell in love with him as a romantic hero. He was recuperating from wounds he had received in the Dominican Republic, and he had really come into his own as a paratrooper. Okay. Her name was Betty Zaring. Uh, She describes Thornton as a loving, supportive, gentle husband. He loved me, she says, but he resented having a wife. Mm. Because as a policeman, Thornton would meet with, in quotes, 
mafia hitmen from Detroit who had contracts on him. We both realized it wasn't a life I felt comfortable with. The more he got into his cop work, the less they had in common. And that kind of created a lot of issues for him trying to manage his life. Sure. Yeah. It seems like it took a quick turn or he just when you said he became a cop, I'm like, that's the ticket. Something's about to go down right now. We love a cop, don't we? Mm. Um, They divorced in 1970, but they remain in touch. And she also mentions that, you know, he always kept in touch to make sure she was like taken care of. Oh, okay. So this guy sounds decent right now. Sounds like a decent guy. Yeah. Well, right now. Okay. Things are going to escalate here. Mr. Thornton. Mr. Thornton. That's our gas stations out out here in the Burbs, by the way. Thornton. Thornton? I bet some family of his. Seems like there's a lot of oil people in the South, right? Yes. Oil in the South? Probably. (laughs) Probably oil. (laughs) I feel like people talk about oil a lot, and they usually have a Southern accent. Well, I have... I have uh, a couple forays adjacent to like the oil airs. Like one of them is a good friend of mine. And another one was like a friend who dated an oil air. And they all have like Southern ties, especially like around North Carolina. Yeah. I don't know the reason behind that, but it, like it makes logical sense in my brain. I'm like, oh, yes, you're attached to the South. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Well, and I bet there's some crossover between like the tobacco industry and the oil industry. I'm sure. Like, I bet there was a lot of arranged marriages. Oh, my God. Between those two classes of people. Yeah. You got to marry the oil man. You got to marry the oil man. Please, baby. Get with the oil man. Your dad's been selling cigarettes for years now. We need world domination. No more tobacco. Um, so at night, um, he was also attending the Eastern Kentucky University in 1971. He received his degree in law enforcement as a policeman drew as he went by was arresting University of Kentucky students protesting the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah. He's a piece of shit. Okay. See, <laughs> See I told you we'd get I'd already. I just don't like him already now. <laughs> Three cops are bad. Agab. It's the In the early 1970s, he became a member of the Lexington Police Department's first narcotics squad, oh. working with the Drug Enforcement Administration's regional office in Louisville. Right. Excited to get his hands on some drugs. Oh, yeah. Why does one work in the narcotics op- in department? Because you want to, like, crack down or you want to, like, get a little bit. You want Well, I think given the time, I mean, I do think there were, like, those nerds who were like, drugs are bad and I'm going after everyone who does drugs. But I also think, like, during this time, the CIA, and we'll kind of touch on this, too, is running, like, cooperative. Or what do they call it? Co, co, coalition? No, co. Where it's hidden, not. I'm. Where I keep it's on... hidden. <laughs> uh, I think I know, but I. Cooperative? No. Co. Cohorts. Cooperated. I don't know what I'm trying to think. I'm so close to the word, but anyways. Basically, they're running these sort of secret campaigns with other countries where they're using drug money to uh, basically help pay for um, dictators. Oh, okay. Yeah, their favorite people. They just... Right. Like, And it's a very layered, another episode probably, sort of operation where it's like they're allowing different... Parts of the CIA are cracking down on drug trade while certain other parts are letting it happen in exchange for information sure. and to mess with global politics. So that it there's a lot going on. So I think if you were an ambitious person 
which from all things I've read about um, Andrew Thornton, the drugs is where you want to be if you want to move up in this sort of field of interest. If that For makes sure. Sense. Yeah, because you're a hero, right? If you if this is taking place in the 70s or the 80s, when was this taking Both. place? Okay, yeah. I mean, that's when they were like cracking down on. That's where like, the money's big, at. Yeah, like big growers in California at that time were getting like busted like crazy. So I'm assuming this guy, yeah, he's like, yeah, that's where the that's where the guns are at. That's where the money's Uh, at. That's where the action's at. Like, Uh you're going into drug enforcement either because you are a narc by by birth and you're just like, there is a sense of morality here, which I'm sure that's a group of people. And then there's a group of people who are like, I want a big gun and I want to blow some shit up fuck yeah they want to be in charge and in power what brings more power than holding a gun exactly and someone who was in the army paratrooper you probably have like a lot of um adrenaline junkie issues Mm, for sure i'm like on the edge of my seat how did he get the coke what happened (laughs) yeah what happened to you Thornton. What is going on? And and uh DEA agent Robert Brightwell, who worked with Thornton, would describe him as such. Um, an 007 paramilitary type personality, an adventurer driven by adrenaline rushes, mm. who probably became bored with being a cop. This is somebody saying that on yeah. his behalf. Yeah. So he resigns. From Lexington, Kentucky Police Force in 1977 to practice law. He had attended law school at night and received his law degree in 1976. He later joined a Lexington law firm from an old friend named Harold Sloan, but he never actually practiced law. According to the Washington Post, he was a daring pilot a master of martial arts who boasted of killing a German shepherd with his bare hands and an expert skydiver famous among jumpers for pulling low or releasing the chute below 2000 feet. Like he's, he's doing a lot of stuff. It seems like as a cover for the weird mercenary shit that he's getting into. He, he bragged about killing a, German Shepherd with his bare hands. Yeah. Yeah. You know anybody. Yeah. Any dog murder, you know. That's the most, that's the lowest of lows. Hurting the animals? No. Come on. Bad. Yeah. That's when you know that sociopath is out. Yeah. Like, that's a weird flex. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. He might be doing some of the product. What's the the drug dealer rule? Like never to your own product. I yeah. Or I thought you were supposed to test it out. No, you ha- you make someone else test it out, and you tell them to tell you whether or not it's good. You don't do your own stuff because once you start doing your own stuff, then you get hooked, and then that's when all your shit falls apart. Shit, these are good drug dealer tips. These are good. These are your down. drug dealer tips. Because I, you know, mama's got to make some bread too. So okay, thank you. That's good. <laughs> Have somebody else try it out first. Exactly. Find yourself a guinea pig to try your product. and Or maybe just have like a circulating number of friends or people because I also think if you keep using the same guy, that guy's going to steal from you. <laughs> that guy might not even be alive the next time you try and get him. Also, like, what? Okay, I just have so many questions. But yeah. keep telling me the no, story. No, no, no. What are your questions? Okay, does this guy, does he, do we find out if he has a guinea pig? Does he have, or do we find out that he is using? No, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of details there, but there are details about him, such as he likes to wear swastikas. Oh. He's freeze drying his food. He's digging trenches in his yard. You know what? Survival. Good for him. He's trying to get his... Yeah, I'm glad he doesn't live over here. This guy sounds 
does he have like a secret uh shed in his backyard yeah because, oh yeah basically sure does. like sure i'm does. not exactly sure when this happens in the timeline but at some point thornton's farm was the subject of an aerial and ground surveillance several times following reports that thornton was operating a guerrilla warfare training camp for mercenaries Oh, according to Sergeant Ralph Ross, a retired Kentucky state police officer formerly in charge of the state's intelligence division. Okay, so people are starting to notice this guy's doing crazy shit. They had an aerial like a I don't know if drones were a thing. No, no, (laughs) (laughs) pre-drones. So, okay, you probably had like (laughs) you had like a helicopter guy and then you had a cop binoculars they would, they would yeah they would get in the helicopter and the cops with the binoculars and he's like fly over there get in close and then he has like a photographer with him because cops don't know how to work cameras so he's like telling the <laughs> ph- photographer are you getting all this are you getting all this <laughs> <laughs> that's how i would do it now i don't have a drone we were gonna buy a drone so you were going to buy one like we might this this Christmas. My in-laws just like for really funsies? want a drone. Yeah. They're like, it's only a thousand dollars. Like for what? Get yourself though? a drone for just pictures? to see the landscape of the land. That sounds. Uh, but also drones are dicey. Yeah. Drones are sneaky little bitches because they're used in warfare. So is everybody going to have their own personal drone now? Well, and then you're what is my question with these drones and i mean i don't even have an alexa okay <laughs> what is the the gps the surveillance ties to these drones like you're like oh let's get a cute little drone and we'll we'll just see what's in the neighborhood going on and then that goes to some satellite whatever technologies mm-hmm. in your drone i mean maybe i sound a little conspiratorial but um, you probably these- have every right to be. We live in the United States. So <laughs> yeah. I think we should. We're always being spied on. I talked about like exactly diapers. And of course, it popped up on my phone. I'm like, yes, I do need to get diapers. Thank you, Mr. Google man. So, yeah, oh. we're being I feel like I'm always being spied on. Right. So you're- that happened to us last <laughs> night. Oh, I'm trying to remember. You were talking about something and. An yeah. And then up. it popped up. I was talking it to Mike happens. about something. We needed to get like on the the grocery list. And then I was like, saw an ad pop up and I was like, oh, that's spooky. I didn't write that down. No, it happens all the time. And it's like just talking, yeah, not typing anything in your computer or your phone, just speaking about something like that. Like, I was like, oh, I'm so depressed. You bet your ass that all those all those little like bots are like, did she say depressed? Give her all the, give her all the meditation apps. Send them to her right now. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. I do need it. I'm like, wait, how the, f-? yeah, it's a, it's a big conspiracy. Cause it feels like you're going to be in a, a circle of just darkness because here's a product fix yourself. Well, yeah, it's capitalism, baby. It is beautiful, beautiful capitalism. We love it. Mm definitely has it's not causing any problems especially in this story um so despite these investigations thornton consistently maintained that nothing illegal was going on his farm which i feel like at this point you could probably assume thornton is like some sort of libertarian yeah so you know he's like one of those weirdos who probably knows like the degree of the law and so like Technically, on paper, nothing illegal is happening right. on his property or whatever is happening on his property is considered legal, probably because it's happening on his property in the South. So, like, I'm sure there's like some bullshit justification. Right. And I feel like the South has its own. Do they have laws? Yes, they do. They do. do. They have- <laughs> but who do they benefit? Exactly. Mr. Wilder, I have another question. Is he uh a white man uh yeah oh yeah okay oh, yeah that's what i figured yeah this is uh as white privileged as it gets yeah i think yeah um so he had a fellow co-conspirator who was a lifelong friend named bradley bryant 
like Thornton Bright was a native son of the horsey set. <laughs> that was the, I think, Washington Post words, not mine. Yeah. Uh, he was the grandson of a Lexington mayor. They traveled in the same social circles and attended the Swanee Military Academy together. Okay. Bryant was even the best man at Thornton's wedding. That's sweet. In 1977, Bryant formed a private security company called Executive Protection Limited. Mm -mm. Cultivated and recruited police from the United States. Recruited who from the United States? Police officers. Police. Yeah. So like finding disgruntled police and being like, I have a place where you could blow shit up. I feel like this has happened before. I also feel like it hasn't necessarily stopped happening. No. It's giving people more and more ideas to continue to continue on. Like, do we know what Blackstone's actually doing? That's what I was going to say. This reminds me of Blackstone. Like the DeVos. The DeVos people were connected with that, right? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm I think sure, so. I, think I feel like Black money. You do the Blackstone dive. I did a little bit recently because it came up in a podcast, and it's like they're connected to everyone, and we're sending them money, uh, loads of military money to them all oh the time. Like shit. they're part of the reason why our military budget is so high because we contract them. Because we love the military. We love them. They're building bridges. Infrastructure. Infrastructure, guys. Come on. How else is Afghanistan going to get bridges in education? <laughs> um, oh, God. It's they recruited dark. some like grumpy cops like, who grumpy are like, co- I'm pissed. I'm pissed. Justice. I need justice. <laughs> now, don't tread on me. So then he's doing all this stuff. And by the 19 early 1980s, a federal indictment alleges that Thornton is part of a drug and weapon smuggling ring called the company, which was good. this. Huh? Sorry, I was uh, going to say like good name, like good pseudo pseudonym, kind of like I work for the company, you know, the you company. know, the company. <laughs> Yeah. There was a bar like that in my college town that was called the work. It was called, yeah, I think it was called the work site or the job site. Okay. And it was like yeah. construct construction guys bar. Yeah. Just going down to the job site real quick. Gotta just going to the job site. You know, uh, we're working late. Working for the company. It's like a good way to lie to your wife. Oh, yeah. Perfect. I told you it was at the job site. At the job site. Ask anybody. I left my credit card. Harry was there. Bob was there. Bill was there. Oh, and Tammy. You know Tammy runs that runs that place, and she knows how to pour my drinks, and I just, she knows how to cut my checks. I really <laughs> okay, so he works for the company, which is- Yeah, which is this, what is this smuggling ring that's tied to the Chagra brothers, which is Jamil- Jimmy Chagra, who's one of the largest drug traffickers in the Western United States and commissioned the first assassination of a U.S. federal judge in the 20th century. Wow. Chagra's, and I'm sorry if I'm saying his name way off. Um, Chagra's criminal operation was so large, he personally managed to accumulate an FBI file that was over 65,000 pages long. So you all of a sudden get powerful. The minute you mess with drugs and guns, you get FBI records and you get anything you want. Yeah. Well, this is, like I said, it's a complicated time where the United States government is some factions of it is running with these drug traffickers for various reasons. Because the government just wants to get its dirty fingers and everything i mean yeah that's yeah. basically the the broad stroke of it yeah chagra and thornton's drug net network would also lead to large-scale corruption within the dea kentucky law enforcement and even the kentucky governor's mansion a large part of this can be 
read about in a book by Sally Denton called The Bluegrass Conspiracy. I did not read this book (laughs) (laughs) because, well, I mean, not just because, but her her book is basically showing all these connections between what Thornton was doing and what was also going on in the United States covert. 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 Covert That's the word. That's what I was trying to say. Covert operations. Yes. We got there. Mm. Uh, but how the United States is involved in Nic- Nicaragua, 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 yes, El Salvador, and South Africa. And the South African thing is kind of interesting because that's going to come up later. Okay. Ralph Ross, the Lexington officer investigating the case, became convinced that Thornton was involved in Oliver North's Iran Contra network, which provided support to him both through the CIA and the DEA resources. So Thornton's all caught up in this because of the connection to his friend. And in 1981, Brian, this is the friend they had since childhood, who opened up his own operation that Thornton became involved in, in case we got lost and all that CIA talk. Um, following i'm following so in 1981 brian is arrested in a hotel in philadelphia when the maid smelled marijuana smoke coming from his room or i should say cannabis i'm sorry marijuana smoke was a copy and paste and as we've talked about on this podcast cannabis is the term like the term to to use sure cannabis as the m word is has terrible racial it has racist ties yeah yeah in brian's possession at the time of the arrest was a cachet of semi-automatic weapons disguises more than 10 fraudulent kentucky driver's license and twenty two thousand dollars in cash okay his notebook oh oh no he's ready like he's ready to leave he's in a hotel you said yeah, he's in a hotel getting high with a bunch of like very so suspect like, items. I want to know what the disguises were. Like, were they? I know, wigs? like it's, it's a like, suitcase of mustaches. I know, like the oh yeah, the little mustache glasses. Uh, There's the, a uh, monocle. Yeah, maybe like a, <laughs> a, a cigar, a cigar, or like a pipe, and. <laughs> Oh, yes. Disguises. I bet it'd be fun to just I would love to be a part of a nice, a friendly raid of sorts. And I would like to be in disguise, kind of like the Americans. They were always in disguise. If you ever watched that show or just like always putting on wigs that look terribly. So I mean, I have developed a collection of wigs here. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Occasionally I I wear on our live streams. Ooh. So, yeah, like a pink one. Don't you have a pink one? Molly has a pink one. Okay. Okay. I don't, I need some more fun colors. The, the closest like wild wig we have is like this Afro one with like blonde highlights. Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah. Next, next time. I need to next see time. Next time we'll have a wig. wig. Yeah. You should have a wig party, a wig podcast. Podcast in disguise. A podcast in disguise. It's like Transformers. <laughs> Robots in disguise. Okay. Uh-huh. Anyways. Wait. Um, oh, yeah. Marijuana. Cannabis. Marijuana. Cannabis. We have a notebook that contains the names and addresses of several Lexington men, including Thornton, and references to planned operations with names such as Bluefin. Bluefin. That is a really good sushi restaurant, by the way, in Chicago. But oh, where's mm. that at? It's in Ravenswood. Okay, I'll have to remember that the next time we're in Chicago. What is Bluefin? That's the name of the whatever operation it is. Okay, okay. I imagine it must have been a sea operation. Yeah. <laughs> Boats we'll are a, probably we'll have a bite of sushi. We'll we'll be all ready to go. You know, that's what it, it's to... actually cocaine stuffed fish. Mmm, that sounds good. <laughs> that sounds, sounds tasty. Tasty. 
You know, I've always, yeah. I'm always going out to sushi restaurants and being like, you know what this is missing? Mm, just a little coca. <laughs> just a little coca. A little sprinkle <laughs> on top. Ooh. Oh, man. So initially, Bryant tells the police that he's involved in a clandestine CIA assignment. And then later he retreats from that. But he continues to, like, give the impression that he's sanctioned by the CIA. Okay. Within days of his arrest, several federal agencies join the investigation. And a few months later, 25 individuals become indicted in Fresno, California. And they're charged with the conspiracy to import and distribute cannabis and to steal government property from the China Lake Naval Base. Maybe that was Bluefin. Mm, there you go. Stealing yeah. the government. And how do you govern steal the government property? Like that must have been like definitely like a mercenary siege plan. Yeah, like a coup or something where you just barge in and steal shit. Yeah. yeah. What yeah, I mean Which then would- also makes me think like, has that happened before? I should have Googled that. <laughs> I mean January 6th happened and they probably Ooh, stole some shit. I'm sure somebody's at home, right? I know. I'm, I'm sure somebody's got like somebody's nameplate, you know, like taking home Nancy Pelosi. Oh, I anyways, can't wait till no this year, on that train. this coming year, 2023, where everybody's like, always remember. <laughs> Never forget. Never forget the insurrection. I'll buy the t-shirt. Um. <laughs> Never forget it. I won't. I won't. I won't forget about the hill rods in the Capitol. <clears throat> Initially, Thornton was slapped with two felony charges of conspiracy to import, distribute a controlled substance to which he pleaded not guilty. Not Thornton not. was one of the nine Kentucky men named in this indictment, which was handed down amid hints that a larger drug smuggler a larger drug smuggling conspiracy existed. He was charged with piloting into the Lexington airport, a DC four loaded with tons of cannabis. I don't really know what a DC four loaded means. I assumed like, or it's loaded with the cannabis, but I mean, it, it must be like a, a plane, a DC four. Maybe. Cause it doesn't sound like a car it. to me, but yeah, sure. Uh, So he flees the state and he's on the run for a while, but then he's found heavily armed in North Carolina and he's brought back to California to face reduced misdemeanor drug charges. So he's found because the U.S. Customs seized a 56 foot converted minesweeper carrying 1500 pounds of cannabis off the Louisiana coast and discovered the machine gun on board belonged to Thornton. So they were more worried about the, sh- the machine gun or. Well, they, the cannabis or- they're worried about all of this stuff. It's just like in in the search for Thornton, I think what uh, helped guy him caught after being on the run was finding this machine gun. Yeah, you need a gun if you're on the run. Learn that from. Every movie you've ever seen. I was gonna say every movie I've ever seen. You know what's a good one? I think it's called Midnight Run. That's a really good one. Midnight Run. I'm gonna write it down. So Thornton has all this weed on him. It's st- we're still in the 70s and the 80s. We're yeah. still okay. Oh, we're in the 80s. We're we're, in the we're 80s fully now. in early 80s here. Okay. Okay. So while he's in Fresno for arraignment, he posts the $75,000 in cash and a million-dollar personal surety bond, which is hmm. secured by his interest in three racehorses. So he's able to um, not be held in prison. Because of his horses? Because of the horses. Got it. What? <laughs> Well, this I think this ties back to sort of like both his weird interest in, well, it's probably a whole combination of things like his parents have money. That's it. They're raising the horses. But like, I'm sure that 
fueled his interest in horses, but also being like an adrenaline junkie, of course you're into like race horses. Yeah, no, sure. I was just trying to understand why he didn't, why he got let off easy because of, you said he didn't have to. Did he stay in jail? Or no, he got because no. he made bond. So then he, he goes back to Kentucky to await the trial. Okay, okay. And on February 27th, 1982, three days before he was scheduled to appear uh, for a hearing in Fresno, Thornton was shot in the chest at close range as he was leaving a Lexington restaurant. Oh, somebody's watching you. Yeah, they knew. I wonder what he had to eat before he got shot. Probably pancakes. Well, okay, but here's the thing. The 38 caliber wad cutter bullets didn't penetrate his bulletproof vest. Ah, this so man, he was police cracked. are concluding that he obviously staged this shooting. Oh, to basically say, like, see, I can't be incarcerated because I'll be endangered. Okay. Um, he pleads no contest to the charges. And was sentenced to six months in prison and a $500 fine. As part of terms of his sentence, he also had his law license revoked. Okay, good. Like, that's that's what gets your law license revoked. But if you bet money on the horses, you should be fine. As long well, as you have money you, on horses. If your name appears in a mysterious notebook about sieging government property you're still kind of fine <laughs> and if, if anything if we learned anything from the trump stuff mm. nothing's really changed nothing matters dershowitz is still out in the streets oh my god yeah i'm not gonna go down that road because that's that's a long long journey <laughs> so this guy is still alive to this day or no no okay because so- that's where we're headed next, baby. Okay. Okay. On September 11th, always remember, mm. 1985. So the original September 11th. We were just little babies inside of our, just hanging out, me and you, inside of a, inside in of a our sack. mom's in a sack. You know? <laughs> just sacking out. This is my warm sack. Um, his body with dried blood running from his mouth was found in a driveway in Knoxville, Tennessee, wearing a parachute. And again, this is where I get confused about how much Coke was actually attached to him. Right. But there's definitely a lot of cocaine attached to his body at this point. Attached to his dead body. Yeah. So Fred Myers sees the body in his backyard. And it's very clear that Thornton is very dead. And he alerts the authorities at 8.30 a.m. He says, I didn't want to touch him or disturb him. I let the law do it. I just left him laying there. And that's my full statement. That's my full statement. And that's what you should do. You find a dead body. Yeah. Let the cops mess up the forensics. Hands off. Let the law do it. That's that's all I have to say about it. I trust the law. I did take a little bit of the cocaine and rub it on my teeth. I Well, I didn't know what it was. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Might have been like a tasty little lemon sugar flower. Well, you got to test it for fentanyl now first. So mm-hmm. don't do that now. That was probably safe to do in 1985. Mm. Okay. It's clear after investigation that he had deployed his backup parachute, but not the main parachute. Oh, that doesn't sound right. That's not and, good. And the main parachute is located some distance away, indicating he had lost it while in the free fall. And both of these parachutes are of high quality. None had it. There was no obvious flaws with either one. Okay, but something tech, some technical difficulties happened that he didn't deploy his main yeah. parachute. Shit. And so a common thought is that Thorne fell to his death when he bailed out of the plane hitting his head on the aircraft and Ooh. that's why it his parachute didn't open and the other uh, one was 
probably opened too late. Where was he coming from? He just was flying down? Just was flying he dropping co- cocaine? Yeah. Like, so I think that was the plan was okay. to jump out of a plane with loads of cocaine. Because he has a history of a paratrooper. Yeah. And then he's going to wander the Kentucky mountainside with loads of cocaine and take it back, I don't know, to his... Because he's kind of on the run at this point. Well, no, this is 1985, so this is after he's on the run. This is just him, like, doing his same old shit. (laughs) Like, he gets in all this trouble with the law, and then someone must have came to him in 1985 and said, like, hey... You want in on this deal. And he's right. like, you're not really done when you're when that's like you get it like an adrenaline rush off of something. Why would you want to stop doing that? Well, and that's and, probably everything, you know, you know what I mean? Right. He was. Yeah. When you're trained in the military, that fucks you up. Yeah. And then you've been hanging out with mercenaries for like the last 15 years. Like mm-hmm. you're you're probably not going to like buy a house in the suburbs after no. that and just like be normal go to aa meetings and find god yeah and jesus i mean the the only god you're gonna find is like a jerry falwell type yeah <laughs> where you're just jerry. gonna start another scam i wonder where jerry falwell is involved in is he dead yet did he die i don't no. think so right my friend went to jerry falwell's school in virginia and i know he's garbage yeah did you watch any of that Hulu show? No, I kind of want to, but I kind of don't want to. I watched part of it. The disappointing part about it is like you're watching it and you're like, none of this really surprises me because all these people are pieces of shit. But I think for like Christians, like people who are like, I am Christian and being gay is a sin. Like those people are watching it and they're like, feeling shame and shock i think yeah those are the type of people we want to be watching yeah that if that's but even some of the story stuff that like the pool boy talks about <laughs> is pretty like damning and the pool boy jerry falwell's pool boy who was stupid his wife oh. he like ties in all these political stuff that's why that's the other uh. reason people are interested in it are like people who are hardcore trump haters and i i don't like trump but I also am not like one of those. I'm not like one of those dumb libs. Yeah. <laughs> like, gonna... I'm living my life on how much I hate. Trump. Right. No. What a waste. But I mean, they exist. We've seen them on Twitter. That they do. So his friends, though, say that Thornton liked to play a game of waiting as long as he possibly could before opening up his parachute. So that he might have also. Risk. He loves that. Loves risk. it. Loves it so much. He's like, fuck it. <laughs> He may, yeah, maybe he was just like, you know what, this time, maybe I won't open it. Maybe I'll not. just land in a tree, probably, and the cocaine will catch my fall. Like a, I mean, maybe uh, that is your version of, like, you don't move to the suburbs. You just, like, play suicide games. Yeah. That's how you adjust. So he is found heavily armed, wearing a bulletproof vest. He has night vision goggles. Oh. He has several handguns, including a Browning 9mm automatic pistol, a 22 caliber Derringer with several clips of ammunition, books with names and codes, which, again, this is like a very CIA, FBI thing to have. Totally. Six Krugenrands. Krugenrands. Mm. Sounds like a nice sweet treat. Are these are uh, gold South African coins? Oh, okay. So earlier when we were talking about these yeah. this drug trade and what's going on in a global political scale, like it's very interesting that if he's not involved with the CIA, he is still involved in global politics of some ilk on some form. Okay, okay. He has thousands of dollars in cash. He has food rations and vitamins, a compass, an altimeter, identification papers in two different names. And he's also carrying a membership card to the Miami Jockey Club. Aww. <laughs> so you're going to say like the public library. <laughs> Which is the public library for white 
yeah, like, rich guys in the Definitely. South, I think. Uh-huh. Wow, he had so much shit on him. I wonder what his plan was. And he also had the keys to the plane. Oh, where's the plane? Who flew the plane? Oh, so how does it work? When he jumped out of the plane, he turned it on autopilot to head towards the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, he's and like- the plane actually just crashed about 60 miles away from where the body was found. Wow. He didn't want any help doing this. He wanted to do this all on his own. He's a big boy. That is pretty suicidal, though. Like, yeah, you're just like, I'm just going to let this plane crash wherever, which also then makes me wonder how many plane crashes were happening in the 70s and 80s of people just abandoning their planes. Yeah. For all these like or messed up paratroopers from like Vietnam. Yeah. Like we talked about it a little bit when we did D.B. Cooper, which is the guy who did a hijacking on a plane and got the government to give him a bunch of money. And then he disappeared. And so, like, it caused all these people to be, like, you know, saying that their uncle was D.B. Cooper. Oh. And so, like, this just feels like another version of that where, like, sure, went to war, life sucked, came back, and was like, I'm just going to blow shit up. Yeah, you're just, like, frustrated at that point. Like, well, put everything on me. I got my library card. I got my cocaine. I got my racehorses. Oh, your little racehorses. I bet you he had all these like horse figurines at I'm home. I'm killing like, dogs. <gasps> I bet he did have horse figurines. <laughs> yeah. When you're a horse person, you love horses. Like it's, he was a horse boy. Hard. Horse boy. What's, horse boy. What's a horse boy like? I feel like you hear so much about like horse girls. Yeah. I knew a lot of horse girls. Horse, oh, harsh boy. I don't know if it's like the same type of. I knew one friend who was a horse girl and she was a bad friend. She (laughs) loved her horses. She treated those horses better than she treated people, which most people do who love their animals. They tend to love animals more than humans. Understandably so. But horse girls, they're a little funky. (laughs) I want to know what a horse boy is. I wish I could. And and I don't want this to be confused with a cowboy because I feel like there's a cowboy, but then there's like there has to be a horse boy. But I feel like horse boys can hide among the cowboys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas like a I horse just, girl doesn't really have, there aren't like a well-known batch of cowboy girls. So like they right. have, so they stand out. Yeah. Like, does he wear cowboy boots and does he, I don't know. Did What's he, he doing f- with those horses? Oh no. He also, there's a, there's an army duffel bag containing 34 football size bundles of cocaine that are marked USA 10. Which that that's one of those things that like changed a lot in the research. Like some places I read reported he had 44 containers of cocaine. Some places I read it was like there were 10 duffel bags and nine duffel bags were scattered throughout the plane's path. And there was a 10th bag that remains empty. Either way, we're going to get into the bear. The bear. We're gonna bear with me. We're going to get to the bear. But just to sort of put a cap on our friend Andrew Thornton's life, he was 40 when he died. In his uh, obit, there's probably the most vicious quote to ever be featured, which is, I'm glad his parachute didn't open. The district attorney prosecuted him on the 1981 cannabis trafficking charge, told the LA Times after he died. I hope he got... A hell of a high out of that. This was in his obituary? Yeah. Oh, wow. Nobody liked him. And Thornton was also, like, clearly a weirdo because he was found with three epigrams in his pocket, including this cheery quotation. There is only one tactile principle not subject to change. It is to inflict the maximum amount of wounds, death, and destruction on the enemy in the minimum amount of time. Is that like something you find in your tea bag? Because right? that has not been my that's not been my little gifts when I drink my tea in the morning. Where where are you getting your celestial celestial seasoning, sir? Wow. He that is so sweet that he keeps that in his did he have that pocket. like on his breast in his breast pocket? Inflict the most amount of pain, down, but- he pulls it out. 
So that's probably like the war slogan. That's what I picture. Like, welcome to war. Here's your, here's the slogan you have to remember. Here's what we must remember. But do it efficiently. (laughs) Do it efficiently and at maximum results. Wow. Two years after Thornton's death in 1987, authorities charged his girlfriend with conspiracy to smuggle cocaine from Columbia into Tennessee. But the charges were dropped after the judge ruled that a confession she had made to the agent, he was pretending to be a member of the Colombian cartel. And it was the statement was given under duress. So didn't hold up at court. Mm, Right. A lot of cocaine fell out of this plane. And that's where we get to the bear. bear. So this bear is a 175 pound black bear. Okay. Now known as Cocaine Bear. (laughs) And was found three months later by a hunter in the Chattahoochee National Forest in Georgia. In the woods, just south of the Tennessee-Georgia state line. Sprawled next to an empty bag of cocaine. (laughs) Alive, just sprawled out next to it? like No, dead. Dead. He was dead. He was dead. Poor guy. This this bag of cocaine, they trace it back. It's the one that one of Thornton's whatever. Right. Yeah. A hunter does not inform the authorities of the discovery. But in fact, three weeks pass before a game and fish agent learns of the bear and then informs the GBI, which Georgia Bureau of Investigation. I don't know. Yes, that's actually exactly right. Awesome. Uh, the bear is extremely dead and is surrounded by empty packages that contained traces of cocaine. Wow. And this is 95% <laughs> pure cocaine. Wow. The oh. medical examiner who performed the bear's necropsy, I guess it'd be like an autopsy. Yeah. Um, he is quoted as saying its stomach was literally packed to the brim with cocaine. Oh, my God. There isn't a mammal on the planet that could survive that. Cerebral hemorrhaging, respiratory failure, hypothermia, renal failure, heart failure, stroke, you name it, the bear had it. Okay. Oh, no. So, So yeah, go ahead. Oh, just like he, so this guy didn't even realize what he was when he crashed his aircraft, he wasn't like, well, the cocaine might come in contact with the poor baby squirrels and bears and deer. You think he thought about that? The guy who murders German shepherds? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't think he thought about that. So he doesn't even, he never even knew about the bear. No. It's, it was just a byproduct. It was just a Yeah, it's a bystander, thing. innocent oh victim. God. The bear is an innocent victim. And then the bear. So unlike the movie, spoiler alert, no one even got to see what a bear on this much cocaine was actually like. Right. And that's. Oh, my God. Someone who decided to write this movie. Another white banks. Elizabeth Banks. Well, she directed it. Imagine she probably also produced it. Okay, But I'm sure she hired someone else to write it. Right. And I mean, the concept of a bear on a lot of cocaine. That's fun. Yeah, that it's intriguing. I'm going to see it now. I have to see it now. Uh, it has to be like a limited amount of cocaine because like this. Oh, bear, yeah. No way does this bear last long. <laughs> I wonder how much it takes for a bear to be like, whoa, affected by it. Well, I think 175 pounds like that's many the amount size- that was absorbed into the bear's blood before it died was like three or four grams. Wow. Okay um wow three or four grams and he's dead he's dead but i mean there was lo- loads more of that in the bear's in body. stomach yeah that's just what was absorbed before oh he probably got so excited do you think he thought it was like just bags of snow and sugar yeah though the bear was definitely like this is a bag of snow i must eat it. <laughs> <laughs> it's winter it's winter right Winter, oh. it's a magical winter in a bag. It <laughs> makes me want to run and do things and drink loads. 
have long conversations about, uh, you know, the best strategies for playing Scrabble. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it does. It does help enhance conversations. Also makes I wonder if the if the bear pooped a lot after he had some. Oh, I'm sure. In my that, experience, that I bear I shit it was himself. like, gotta go. That bear probably shit out white poop. Winter <laughs> winter poop. It went straight through him. So despite shitting out a bunch of poop, the bear looked good. And so it was stuffed and put on display at the Chattahoochee River National Recreation Area. Oh, my God. That's and while hilarious. on display, no one made any reference to how the bear died. And it wasn't written on his placard? No, it was just like, this is a bear. Okay. Oh, my God. You so might see kids. this bear around these woods. I think someone should install like a little sound machine that's like, don't do drugs. Well, so every time that's in by. the future because the bear ends up becoming passed through various owners. So it was mo- removed from the recreational area because of some fires, some forest fires that were going on. So they moved it. The bear gets lost. At one point ends up at a a pawn shop and the country star Waylon Jennings buys the bear. It makes its way to Vegas where it lived in the mansion of Ron Thompson, who was a man who could organize, uh, who would organize fun stuff for millionaires to do while they were in the city. Uh And it was there for years. Then it went to Reno where it was by bought by a person named uh, Zhu Tong, who was the, owner of a traditional Chinese medicine shop after Thompson died and his possessions were auctioned off. And now the bear is a roadside attraction at the Kentucky for Kentucky Fun Mall in 2015, where it is now called Pablo Escobar. (laughs) And there are like jokingly anti-drug stuff around it. Like, this is what happens if you do too much cocaine. Right. Pablo Escobar. Brilliant. So that's the... That's the story. Real story of the cocaine bear. Fascinating. That's fascinating that only three to four grams of coke will put you over. If you're 175 pounds and hairy, you can't handle three to four Or Or a mammal. Or just any mammal, any breathing yeah. mammal. So you haven't seen this movie or you haven't even seen the trailer. I didn't even see the trailer because I thought, I mean, I knew it was a real movie. And I think I read a blurb because I was like deciding whether or not I wanted to see the preview. And then I was like, I don't think I want to see the preview because I think it's going to be too goofy is what I thought. It and then I started this research and found out that the real bear was basically Andrew Thornton. I think my favorite part of all this is when it said, or you described it as, but the bear looked good. It so looked they good. stuffed him and he traveled around the country. <laughs> I'm, I just think it's great that somebody wanted to honor this bear. Yeah. Don't let a good bear go to waste. No. Oh you find a good bear God. in the woods dead. You got to stuff that. Do you know how to say bear in Dutch? No. Should I? I don't know if you. I think it's just beer, beer. <laughs> it's like beer, but just with a nice Dutch accent, beer. I remember Is learning bear that a Dutch from my word? friend. Probably not. I'm not sure. Oh, the etymology on bear. Ella, my one year old, is learning how to say bear. She just says be. Oh, oh like she's girl. French. R in- yeah, I love oh, it. Man. No hard R's for that little girl. <laughs> Thank you, Allison, for being my special guest this week. Of course. I'm honored. Thank you. And thank you for uh, enjoying this with me. Where can people find you and some of your creative work? Oh, you know, on the Instagram. I think my handle is Allison Felicia 77, I believe. Put some creative stuff out there. You know, that's probably the only social media platform. Besides Twitter, but I don't think uh, Twitter's going to last very long. You can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Bridget underscore suck it. You can find this podcast at sex with ghosts underscore. 
You can show support by giving us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts, or you go to patreon.com. I shouldn't say, or you can and, and <laughs> go to patreon.com slash sex with ghosts. And there you can show further support. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye-bye.